What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Masters of Sport, and I'm here with my two-time co-author of the year, Earl Kunkel. Earl, hello. Hi, Dane. I'm here with uh, the third most successful coach at Garage Strength. <laughs> um, Wait, I want to tell you a story. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, I was making reels for Instagram, and I had Tamond and Legend and Jake in a group chat and I made a yeah. really good reels and I sent it to him and I did I tell you this? No, I'm listening. And I said I was like, Hey, don't worry guys, like I'll just keep coaching people the world teams and the Olympics and I'll make the best reels too. And Uh-oh. so like thirty seconds goes by <laughs> and Jake puts in one of the reels that he made that has like three million views on it. <laughs> and he just puts that in there and then like or legend like highlighted it i'm like damn it <laughs> good yeah it was pretty funny don't o- get overconfident yeah i just i thought it was good yeah but with the new updated stats what are these new updated stats well so like taman hasn't been do- here as long right yeah but in his time the amount of volume he's put out so it's almost like relative versus absolute strength where your absolute <laughs> numbers are higher his relative numbers are Far superior. His entire system was set in place. Oh, man. Here we go again. He's a cog in the machine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't believe. I, that's why you're number three. Yeah, you got the bronze. That, that's Third true. place, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's where you're at. Second loser. Not even the first one. Yeah. <laughs> and Trevor's been surpassing you now for years. <laughs> <laughs> like even his young throwers are catching up real He's fast. Gonna, they have indoor states this weekend, yeah. so they they have a chance to. At, I think there could be two state champs that that we have. Wow, that Trevor would have. Yeah, they're, they're, it's like one of those where there could be two, and there or there could be none. Well, but if they if they're they'll probably do well. well. Yeah, yeah, they'll do well. Dane. We went and saw Tool together. We did, yes. We saw Tool on How was that Sunday. experience for you, Dane? Um, so, at first, it was really bad, but I'm coming out with a victory. All right. So I'll give you the win on that one. Yeah. So, Earl experienced a, a full-blown Dane panic attack. I wasn't going to talk about that, but since you brought it up, now I will. Well, I think it's important. <laughs> I, I think it's important because it, it's funny because I, I brought up to Taman and Legend and Mason and one of them doesn't like heights. Okay. And I, I it might have been Mason or Taman, maybe. Like, I don't think Legend cares. But they related to the feeling that yeah. I had. And so I also think it's important to talk about this stuff because everybody acts like they don't have, like they're in, invincible. I do, too. But it's not my place to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. your place yeah, to bring yeah, it up. Yeah, I agree. Because I, like, like, I think the reason why I'm bringing it up, I feel, is that, dude, I, I don't, I'm not embarrassed. It's, it's, a, it's a reaction. And I yeah. think that that's important for people to know, like, it's okay that, that these things happen. But while you're in the moment, it's really hard to slow things down and get your mind to, like, get normal. Yeah, I, had to, I was talking to you, and I was like, I don't want to say anything to, like, trigger, trigger them to more. make it worse. Yeah. And I so, like, I was asking – I said that out loud to you. I was like, yo, I don't want to say anything that, like, makes it worse. And you're like, well, I think you talking to me is helping. I'm like, all right, I'll just keep talking Dude, to him. Dude, the, f- the one thing I want to pat myself on the back – to, to give myself a, a little bit of an excuse is Caitlin, the first thing she said when she came out of the bedroom, like she woke up when I got home late, uh-huh. 
she was like, how was it? I was like, yeah, it was great. And then she's like, your seats looked like they were so high. And I was like, yes, at least I have somebody on. And then I told her, yeah. and she's like, oh, whatever. Um, I think it was like, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll share what happened, is that I, I've told Earl that when we drove up, Pikes Peak is a mountain in, in Colorado. This is you, when you're on vacation with your family, right? Yeah, yeah. And this was the first time where I really had a panic attack from, like, heights. And I looked out the, the car window, and we're at, like, 13,000 feet, and you start to notice you're getting short of breath. And I looked out the window, and I'm like, dude, if, if I open this door, I'm falling off the cliff, and I'm dying. I don't want to open the door, and I start to feel like I'm going to do it. So I jumped in the back of the car while the car was driving. I wasn't driving. And Lincoln's looking at me like, dude, what the heck's my dad doing? <laughs> See me act like an idiot. There, and my wife's uncle's telling the story about how pilots do that sometimes after they wake up from blacking out while they're flying. Oh, wow. So he was like, dude, it, it, it happens quite a bit. And I'm like, oh, cool, you're telling me this while we're at 13,000 feet, and these pilots are flying at, like, 50. Like, yeah. I'm real tough. Um, so that was the first time no I ever space had that. travel for you, Dane. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll know. <laughs> you're terror locked forever. <laughs> then the, the second time was when we were uh, at the Olympics, actually. We were on the top floor of the building that we were in, and, like, the first day, Alex and I, Alex Rose and I were standing there, and I, like, looked out, and within, like, five seconds, I was like, I'm going to jump. Dude, I think that stuff. So I'm like, I got to get back. And I'm, like, up against the wall, I started crawling, and he was, like, dying. So every time we'd walk past the balcony, he, like, teased me, but he would also feel bad at the same yeah. time because he's, like, you know, it, it sort of sucks. What's funny is Dane's a big guy. Alex is a much bigger monster, guy. total monster. <laughs> yeah, like he would grab me, like I'm gonna throw you. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I feel really bad for you right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna throw you. <laughs> no, I remember when I met Alex and we started talking about anime and manga. And yeah, you were just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Proceed. He, well, uh, yeah, Alex just actually was talking to me about how he's going f hardcore magic right now. Anyway, the gathering. Yeah. Oh. Cool. Um. So, because I, I had told them the whole story, the. With Tool, it was like, I sort of thought I had this feeling when I walked out the first, like when we first came yeah, when out. Yeah, we came out into the, like, yeah. the arena, if you will. And I was like, well, we'll see. When I sit down, I'll be more comfortable. And then as we got up and I turned around, as soon as I turned around, I I, I was like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta sit down. And I just, I was literally, like, could not move. Yeah, you were, you, like, kind of sprawled out because the seats were open. And you put your hand over your eyes. Yeah. And it was like looking down. You were doing one of these, like so, looking down. So the. the I it's almost when someone does something embarrassing yeah, around yeah. you and you're like trying not to like look at them as I they're couldn't look, scolded. I, I couldn't look out into the arena. Yeah. And so for me, it was like going through, like, why am I thinking this? You know, it's okay that I'm feeling this way. And then I, and then I go through, like, it's, it's okay I'm feeling this way, but how, how likely will this happen? And it was like a 20 to 30 minute battle. I mean, it, it might have been longer. I don't know. You, you expressed, like, you let me know what was going on maybe like three minutes in. Yeah. You I were had, like, I'm I feeling this way. I was like, all right. 
And then when I asked you to move, when you moved yeah. to my other side, that's when I started to like feel good. Yeah, I w- that's because I protected you from the outside. <laughs> you were like, I'll protect you uh, yeah. from the stairs. I was like the rook coming in and like <laughs> shifting the king on over for you. I was like, I got this, buddy. And so I think it's like, a, I, it's weird because if, if I go up on a ladder or even like my, my parents' roof, not that their roof's that tall, but like yeah. I hung up all the Christmas lights. I was laying on my chest and like... I hung the Christmas lights. I didn't feel bad, but it's it's something like maybe it was the open space. It might be the open space and the magnitude of the height. Yeah, and that grade is steep up there too. It's steep, but it's like, I, I mean, dude, the thing is, there's people that are afraid of heights. So it's like, yeah, I get it. I, I I wouldn't say I'm like perpetually afraid of heights. It's like just specific triggers. So, um, I I felt similar. You know, I've had I've had a. Uh, a fear of flying as well so it's like dude i know i'm not like the most maybe mentally stable with with um anxiety and fear oh i thought you were going to talk about things that go high up in the air well things that are in the air too yeah. i mean i've had panic in the past over um but i mean you, you've got an really good with flying though like yeah flying doesn't bother me dude actually this last when we took a when jason and i and jake went to knees over toes both flights or the flight down Uh uh-huh and the flight back they were turbulent the whole time Uh and like the flight down was actually to the point where the guy never took the seatbelt off and i was i actually acknowledged i was like dude if this was me three four years ago i would have been blowing a gasket but i was just sitting there like I'm chilling, like, and that's where I have to give myself like a pat on the back. Another one, yeah. two of them, yeah, two. Way to go, buddy. So I think it's, a, I don't know. I think the lesson is like, dude, it's like, don't hide when you have those emotions, and and try to try to seek some way of, if you're with a supportive person, I actually equate it to if you if you ever did psychedelic drugs, it's very important to understand like what your ego can do. Yeah, and it's like getting and it's a, and it's like being in a comfortable situation in in those situations, knowing that you have someone trustworthy. I got you there. Uh, now I feel good. I feel like I got patted on the back, not by myself. No, I hate you. All right, <laughs> I believe you too. <laughs> you we didn't. We didn't even talk about the show, dude. I freaking yeah, nothing I about the show. I I think you described it the best, where you said it's tool is like a. I would say it's like a heavy psychedelic jam band. Yeah, it's a hippie jam band, but they're playing like, like you said, heavier music, and they're yeah. riffing off of like Middle Eastern Indian type of ragas and stuff. Like yeah, just using those drum patterns and those rhythms, and yeah, it's enjoyable that way. We didn't even talk about how we struggled to get into the parking lot. Oh yeah, geez. how we went on ninety five, what like three times, yeah, like, circling around, drove an extra like twenty three miles, yeah, making jokes the whole time, and though. then. And then finally got in, parked far away, which is fine. Wasn't yeah, that, we're wasn't fitness. That bad. Yeah, like, <laughs> we just like, walk. This is what you do. You're a fitness influencer, Dave. You have yeah. to park far away. Yeah, you walk. But it came back and paid off because we exited the parking lot within yeah. three minutes because some random gate opened when we were. And I put an over under on like I think it was like forty, 40 minutes before yeah. we're out, and it was like three minutes gone. I was like, whoa, I'm getting home way earlier tonight. <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. And Dane had work the next day. I did not. Yeah. That was, it's, I can't, dude, it's, I can't believe I used to do that stuff in college, like, all the time. Yeah. All the time. But I think uh, when I was reflecting back on the music side, what I brought this up to you a little bit, too, at the show, where it's like, 
their ability to play so tight. You know, you always look at musicians, like at least I would always look at musicians like, yeah, they're really good. They practice a lot, but you don't truly grasp what they're doing because you don't, I'm not a musician. Yeah. So I can't really relate to them. I, I played, you know, t- the tuba for 12 years, but like tuba I did. It was a cool instrument. Yeah. It's, it was great. Actually, and John Philip Sousa died in Reading here. Oh. It's a little, uh, and he, you know, he's a, he invented the sousaphone. Anyway. Um, Dude. The sousaphone player in the Roots, when I saw them live, like later, like I forget at what year they brought the sousaphone player in, but like the low end just became so much more like, yeah. like it was wonderful, way more thumping. <laughs> yeah, I think though, comparing it to like it's such an art. It's just like a weightlifter who like you look at Lasha snatch and yeah. it's like it's so smooth. What's well, smooth because of the work he's done, and there's no noise. There's no yeah. There's no noise to his movement. Same if you watch, you know, Tom Brady or or and it's and and you watch these these guys. You watch Tool play together, and they're just on a different wavelength. Yeah, that their drummer, what's his name, like Danny Carey. Yeah, he he's like sixty, Dude, and he, he I, was like his upper back through his arms was like he was jacked if yeah, you would like he lean. looks good. He wasn't like bodybuilder big, but it was like lean and like yeah. muscular, like and, and fast. Like, yeah. And then he he can count to like four like all the time and that, probably like seven and nine but that, you get what I'm saying that's what yeah that's where it's like watching someone like I mean all of them yeah and any musician who's put in the time right when you see them it's like wow this guy's just doing stuff that it 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 it's literally for me mind blowing. Yeah, and I think that when you appreciate sporting movement and and knowledge and and effort, and I, effort's probably the main thing, and just the work when you see them, and then as a group for them to unite all that stuff together into this cohesive like presentation. Yeah, I didn't say this to you, but I said it to other people. I was like, "Hey, I wanted," to, and they were like, "Oh, how was it?" I was like. Well, the one thing that kind of surprised me was I knew it was like a four-person band and like one was a, you know, vocals and the three instruments. And I thought like when you listen to them on record, I'm like, there's a lot going on, right? So I thought when we would go see them live, they'd have like additional touring musicians like with Two or them. three guys in the back. Yeah, like just doing other things yeah. just to fill out what they do. And it there wasn't. Yeah. And the sound was still like full. full. Yeah, was very like, full. I, that impressed me like. I think too when they were playing, they never they never stayed on. It's funny because you you'd feel like they they lengthened like bridges or pieces of a jam, whatever it might be. They yeah. lengthened it, but it was never to a point where you were like, "All right, let's get to the next let let's get to the next kicker here." It was always like they would they would pull it just right, and then it would back off, and then the next thing would come in, and yeah. you're like, "Oh wow, that other thing that you were listening to ended already." But it had it had transitioned you so well to this next step. Right. Good dynamics in yeah. that band. Yeah. Very swell composition too. I liked it. I, I was wondering when he came out and did it for the encore and he did the drum solo. Yeah. And he used like that drum machine thing. I, I was like, is that an analog synth? The he two had? the two drum the, Yeah. I, that's what I was trying I to figure out. I think it was out. some type of I don't know, but I thought it was some type of analog synth that he was like programming things and would do it and had like a I don't know. I bet I can find out on the internet. Well, that's what uh, was, that was another question I had is like they're programming that and he's programming that and he already has another he he already has his full solo laid out off of the program? I don't think so. 
I think he did the solo right into the thing, and then I think he just started playing along with that as like a backing track, okay. which I thought was really impressive. Like you ever try? Like he was playing to basically a metronome, yeah, flawlessly, and it's right. like, dude, you sound like a machine. Like you literally yeah. sound like a machine the way you're playing, and he's just doing it at the yeah. drop of a hat. And just to something to relate to that. Quest Lowe would always talk about when he was in the studio and he was playing the drums, he just wanted to sound like the drum machine. He wanted to be so spot on. And it wasn't until Jay Dilla started saying, like, eh. Yeah. So th there's this function you can use on, like, drum machines or anything programming that will, like, sync the beat up. So it's, like, just – it's a machine, right? right it doesn't right, right. miss. It's right on. And Jay Dilla was, like, one of the first people to be like, I don't know if I need that. Yeah, yeah. Like, let yeah. it slide out just that little bit. Yeah. And like like a human error, yes, yeah. And got Jay Dill or got Quest Love to start to consider, yeah, yeah. Even though like he was human trying to be the machine, which is impressive in itself. And like, I think it's just I don't know the wiring of these people, dude. It's just anybody, anybody at the, at the anybody at that level, yeah. It's just like, dude, you're crazy. You put the work in, yeah, and. You achieve the talent from you, the work. Yeah, you put work in, you achieve a skill, and you achieve a skill that you love, and that that's why you put the work in, and it's up to us to just clap and applause yeah, yeah. at all the graciousness. <laughs> Everyone you, uh, plays did. drums and sings, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's up to us to just... You asked me that while I was there. You're like, why does everyone clap when something happens? I was like... I don't know. Everyone plays drums and sings as well as I had. <laughs> it's just an acknowledgement. You're awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about muscle building. Specifically, let's talk about biceps and triceps. Since you wrote like three books on that, or is it only two? Well, three if you count Book of Swole. The book, we'll count it. Three. Yeah. Book of uh, Buys and Tries, Volume 1. This is before you had such a great co-author, even yeah. if you had co-authors then, too. Yeah. No, I didn't have any co-author. Yeah. Only Caitlin editing it slightly. Yeah. Um, so I have Bison Tries 1, Bison Tries 2, which is a whole other book, and then yeah. Book of Swole. So, yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about biceps and triceps, but first I want to talk about when you talk to people not in the fitness normies, right? Yeah. Non-fitness people, and you're, they're like, how are you strong? And they're like, show me your muscles. It's, yeah, flex it's your biceps. It's, it's flex your biceps or like right. how much you bench. Where like anyone in it, they know it's like they look at – Maybe this is just me, and you look at their butt and how big that is, and you're like, oh, wow, that's probably how athletic they are a lot of times, or strong they are. Yeah, I always think quads, glutes, or back. Yeah. If they've got a big, wide back or a big butt. Yeah. Or the posterior. Yeah, yeah it's like if that's all filled out, then you're like, all right, they're strong. Now, the bicep, though, is like, you can convince anyone you're strong somehow if you have a big bicep, right? Yeah. I could just go up and flex. Like, if you're dealing with a 12-year-old, right, people like, and you flex, you, yeah. they think you're strong just because yeah. you have that. And it's like, well, maybe not. You Even know, if you just flex in a 12-year-old, they think you're strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's what makes you ripped, right? Well, all right, biceps are cool. Like, I have nothing against biceps. When I was, like, 16 and 17, like, that was my favorite part of like of course yeah it was it's wonderful and like it builds up your head you feel wonderful about yeah. yourself i think it's too i think it relates to it's easy to get that it's the first muscle that you learn how to push to fatigue yeah so it's really important for long-term development because it's easy to contract uh to to execute like bicep actions 
it's an easy muscle to coordinate. Same nice. with your tricep. But it's it's the first movement or exercise that you can do where you're like, wow, that's really hard. But it's just it's the energy the the effort isn't that hard. The the pain and, and discomfort that you feel in that localized area is elevated, and it sort of teaches you like, okay, that's what the rest of my body might need to feel. Yeah, awesome. If so, you're mature enough to get past right, just so the bicep. I feel like you're telling me why you should train the bicep from like a, a larger perspective of like how it impacts. But why should I train the bicep from like a more specific, like this is yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. why yeah. you should do it. Uh, I think, I mean, one, if you're in sports, you have a lot of, a lot of pushing and pulling. And so, yeah, this, dude, it's so funny because college coaches, you, they'll always say like college strength coaches, they'll be like, well, you're only strong as strong as your weakest link. And then 20 minutes later, they'll be like, oh, why are we training buys and tries? That's stupid. <laughs> you know, that, that's a, that's worthless. It's like, wait, you just said I'm only as strong as my weakest link. Uh, might as well make that weak link strong. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. It's like uh, I, I, th I think I think there's a couple reasons why you should train, let's say, specifically the bicep. Um, one, again, pushing, pulling. If I'm pulling, it, it, it's going to enhance my pulling ability. Two, it's gonna ha it's gonna improve my grip strength. So if I'm in a combat sport, or if I'm a football player, or rugby, or anything like that, or even uh, grip grip strength uh, in baseball and grip strength for field hockey, ice hockey, the the stronger your grip is, the more you'll have control over the over the uh, equipment that you're using. So like a throwing a baseball will actually improve I your control. If that works for esports too. Now I'm curious. It the speed might have to be focused on okay. a little bit more yeah um i would think it would a little bit yeah it would just go with the speed aspect a little more but you know so pulling grip strength and then you know it it's also um if let's say you have uh you know using the only you're only as strong as your weakest link let's say you're doing a pull-up and you struggle to to lock it out like really that's mainly your bicep that's going to finish the flexion of your elbow so it's like along with your rhomboid a little. So it's like um, to get your chest, the sternum to the bar. So it's like if you have weak biceps, your pull-ups are going to suffer as well. And then if your pull-ups suffer, then like your back's going to be a little bit weaker. And it's also uh, bicep strength is also really correlated to shoulder, shoulder strength, shoulder health. So it's like if I'm a discus thrower, I need to train biceps, one, because of the position I'm holding the discus in, but also – we're doing a lot of pressing, so we want to maintain that shoulder integrity uh, based off of our bicep health. All right. Those are some great reasons, in my opinion, to train it. Well, how do I train it now? Like, what? I know you love bicep exercises. <laughs> yes. What are some of the, the <laughs> best ones? Like, how do I do it? How heavy should I go? Um, how often? How do okay, I train? Okay, so the old standby for me is always just stupid, heavy hammer curls with a cheat cheat like swinging it real quick i gotta stop you i used to get made fun of because i love cheating my curls love it they're like you're not doing it right and i'm like well my bicep looks fine telling me i'm doing like yeah i don't need to like go with like 
Okay, so what, super slow. What I was, tell me why I was doing the right thing. Please. So you're doing the right thing because there's a, the eccentric. You can have 120, 130 percent strength compared to concentric. So if I'm swinging that up and then I have a controlled eccentric, okay, my forearms will blow up from heavy f- hammer curls. Okay, and you're doing that over the time frame of you know. You, I might do like heavy hammer curls with hundreds and do like a set of twelve, and I'm swinging but trying to control. And then my forearms just light up, my biceps light up, and then I might go do something like Zotman curls. So Zotman curls, I'll go supinate, pronate, okay? And that's going to really light it up even further. And that's where I might go a little more controlled because I really want to focus on, like, uh, the brachialis or, or, you know, just my my grip. Um, So the it's like a pre-fatigue sort of and overload, like serious eccentric overload uh, when you're 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 doing a cheat curl. Is that almost like a mechanical drop set yeah too, yeah yeah, yeah exactly it would be like uh it's it's similar to even if you think about do it's also potentiation okay it's you know so yeah it, it's similar to the it's like all of these little tricks so I, i'm hearing smack heavy heavy hammer curls. hammer curls then go what i you know the original originally it was called the scott curl we're on a preacher on a preacher bench scott curls uh preacher curls they isolate so well those are great um, but dumbbells are the way to go. And it's like, I've got like five to 10 that I always use, uh, hammers, the hammer curls, Zotman curls, preacher curls, a movement that we invented here called the Homer. So you literally yeah, walk at 90 degrees. That isometric movement crushes, yeah. murders it, people. It, it, it crushes. It's, I remember having friends do that for the first time. Like, Oh, like let, let's just chase by like, because anyone can chase the bicep like, pump. Literally And it's just like, dying. all right, here we go, 10 reps. All right, now hold the isometric. All yeah. right, you got to do 10 more. And they're like, are you serious? I, yeah. I'm like, yeah. And then you have to hold it again, and they're like, I hate you. Like, yeah, it's horrible. Everyone's blown you up. You get a huge pump, a huge pump. And then um, incline curls is another great one. Spider curls, laying on my chest, doing dumbbell chest-supported curls. Um, drag curls, dude, I have... I mean, slam curls are more uh, performance-based. Uh, Drag curls are fun too. Yeah, I, I, it's just that this these movements almost always bring in some type of shoulder, some type of lat as well, um, and and then forearm work. And it, and it, plus, if you're in a combat sport and you got decent-sized biceps, I'm not saying they have to be huge like a bodybuilder, but big enough so that when you know, you're lining up, if, especially at the high school level, you shake the guy's hand, you got big forearms. The first feeling that someone gets on you is if you get a collar tie or, or like, wrist control. Yeah. And if you have good grip strength, dude, you just won a huge battle in that match. Right. I'm also thinking, like, a Muay Thai lock. Oh, yeah. Like, if yeah. you're up against the cage and, like, when you're bringing that knee up knee and you're up, yanking yeah. the head down, I don't know much about Clinch. it. But yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like to me. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, you're adding a little bit more impact because – because that you're biceps able, pulling yeah, hard to bring it in yeah, now you, i know there's other muscles working on right it, but right but it helps but it do- definitely helps it helps with the grip too man yeah i th- I think it's like uh i mean in this in the sports performance world i think the most underrated areas legitimately are biceps and the bench press they're the most underrated and someone might cry about this but there's so many people who will say Oh, yeah, bench press. When do you lay on your back? Yeah, when do you lay on your back to do a bench press? Guess what? The world record holder in the shot put can bench press close to 600 pounds. Then the dude that he beat could bench close to 700 pounds with a bench. Like, 
you you want to tell me that this this movement here has no application to pummeling and wrestling it has no application to you know punching someone in when when you're you're playing offensive I, I feel line like or whatever the bench press is done because it allows you to horizontally press yeah and away from the body if you have and a not have bag. to hold it up with like your shoulders yes as you press out yeah exactly so it's just i don't want to say it from what you said, it's like, well, use your brain. I need to be able to press horizontally. Like, I need to be able to do that. Yeah. How can I overload it? Well, let me lay on my back. Yeah. Let and me like, lay on my back so my shoulders don't get destroyed. Yeah. That's, that's and all And I is. can isolate more so my pecs. And now, my pecs are huge muscles. Maybe. Does that movement exist, the, like, standing bench press? Yeah. We, uh, it's, it, <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> we call it the bunderchuck press because Dr. B, we used to do it where you go, like, Boom, okay. Boom. boom. Uh, some people call it neater press as well. A neater press? Like neater. Yeah. After, like K N. Neater uh, no, or just N I E D R. Okay. Old time bodybuilder. I got you, man. I like the sound of that movement. Yeah. Should make like every twelve year old who shows up start Try with that. Try to do that. Yeah. They yeah. do. Their shoulders will be so strong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they even used to do incline bench. Used to be without there wouldn't be a seat. Oh. Uh, literally, just be like a plank. And you would you know, just you could bench on it. set up with your feet, like, yeah. holding you the whole way. Uh-huh. I could see how that could limit how much weight you could put on it. Yeah. But, again, it's like I I don't – I mean, I sort of understand why people talk crap on biceps. And I'm not saying that we should be devoting, like, two days a week to, to training biceps. But it's like there's a big benefit. They, but they the do triceps, have – tri- Oh. Triceps, that's what we're talking about next because we're talking about those swole arms. Well, that, again, it's like if you have. So, why are we training triceps, Dane? Uh, rapid elbow extension. Um, if you have a lockout problem in the bench, you can fix it by, by isolating your triceps in specific areas. Shoulder stability, what I'm doing right now. I here, was going to say, you're trying to flex your tricep yeah, right now. It, it, it's <laughs> different heads are responsible for when, you're, when your elbow is above your shoulder versus below it. And, and, and now all of a sudden, that's going to be factoring into if I'm wrestling, if I'm playing football, if I'm, even if I'm uh, to a point, you know, maybe not so much swimming, but if I'm doing, a, if I'm a gymnast and I'm doing a handstand, it's, it, dude, there, there's, extremely important do you find that the fact that we value the size of our quads our hamstrings our glutes to sports performance and we should train them all the time and i'm not arguing that point in any way right but they all look at it as like this makes you more athletic yada yada but we sometimes devalue the limbs of the upper body and especially from like a speed element too yeah yeah yeah. and like there's, dude, there's almost no plyometrics that you could find outside of, like, random things that I post on Instagram. Yeah, clapping push-ups. Yeah, there's, the like, boxes, the no upper body p- push-ups that are – no upper body plyometrics. There's almost no upper body pull-up-based plyometrics. I had people – like, one of the best plyometrics technically would be for upper body would be a rope climb because you're using your body weight and you're accelerating the entire way. It's arguably – it arguably could be a plyometric. Are you talking I, about with the two ropes, like either one, and you just like donkey launch? jumps, yeah. donkey kongs, uh, normal rope climb, even? And and I had one guy who actually messaged me like, "What are the best? Can you do one for rows, rowing type plyometrics?" So I'm gonna put something together on Instagram. But it's like we're so well developed with legs 
but not so much with with the upper body and so you know going back start walking on our hands yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh go and, i mean think about even monkey bars like yeah they're essentially a type of plyometric oh. it's explosive grip work. so when i was a kid i used to try to hang on the monkey bars until i would get calluses on my hands. yeah because my dad would come home with calluses on his hands yeah, so i thought that it. made you more uh manly if you will yeah having calluses and we got to the point because american gladiators were on there was like maybe four or five of us like we must have been like eight and i can't believe like teachers allowed this to happen just yeah. knowing how it is now we would hold on to the monkey bars and, and like try kick to kick other. one another yeah. off we used to do that <laughs> and like wrap your legs around and pull yeah. them down no yeah. it was exactly that and i'm just like wow i was like uh, i couldn't imagine something like that happening yeah and kids not getting sent to like the principal's office <laughs> and like you're getting suspended for fighting <laughs> i i mean that's biceps and grip so it's, yeah dude to me um going back to that to that training to the to the mindset of the 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 training is it's like we, I, I wanted to share this actually. I have a discus thrower that I train online. He's a he's a D one discus thrower. He might, dude, he's huge. He's like six nine, huge. Oh wow, could could win the NCAA in the discus division one level. <clears throat> uh, from the Middle East, total animal. How how are your squats right now? He's tall. The squats pretty good. It's like close to six hundred. Okay, like, <laughs> like ninety degrees. Any low bars, but he gets well, he's six nine though. Yeah, too. yeah, like, he gets slightly past ninety. It's not bad. How much does he weigh, if you don't mind me asking? He's like 340. Dude, he's So he's, he's like Shaq size. Yeah, he's huge. Not seven but like, feet, but that but, style. But 6'9", 340, like you look lean. Yeah. You don't look like... Yeah, he's he. if you see him... You don't look thick, so to say. Right. Like, yeah, you're you not know, fat and sloppy. Yeah. So pulls, deadlifts close to 700, like 680. What's your bench? Bench is 375. I was like, dude, really? That's terrible. That's absolutely horrible. Now I know he's got a seven-plus foot wingspan. Yeah. He should be benching 200 kilos for a set of four as a discus thrower. And there's, you know, there's even like Daniel Stahl, the this best ties into triceps. So we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Stahl is the best discus thrower in the world, has a terrible bench press, but he can still hit 200 for like a set of four terrible in the world of, of, of discus throwing. He's known to have a bad bench, but because of, you know, his arm length and that, that hinders him and his size, it does hinder him. He still has monstrous triceps to make up for that and if if you are a especially like an offensive lineman or or a d line or d tackle anybody like that you've got to have extremely strong triceps so i don't i think it's unwarranted i think it goes back to the hatred of bodybuilding it's like the functional zealots and and their 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 despise for for uh for bodybuilding and i think a lot of the functional guys when they came up uh, I think a lot of those guys just didn't like bodybuilding because they didn't. They didn't. Honestly, I think some of them are pussies. Like I just don't think that they could handle it. Dude, bodybuilding's hard, so it's like they didn't. They didn't want to do it, so now that's that's how they it train burns. people. You get yeah. super winded too. Maybe it's because I like hold my breath when I'm doing. It. I'm like, why is this so hard? <laughs> why is my heart pumping <laughs> yeah. so much to the point where I've seen like talented young like CrossFit kids like training for it get destroyed by bodybuilding yeah, yeah like and it's like you literally train endurance for muscle use for like strength movements right and you're telling me bodybuilding's like it's like ruining you ruining you. like what is going on here well i get it because like everything you do in crossfit like you're co-contracting like, yeah you're never like yeah you're never just, isolating yeah when, yeah 
No, that's that's. But still, I always found it funny watching like young kids started to, like you. You like to hurt, so like you do cr- CrossFit hurts, right? Like, right. And bodybuilding. Nope. I was gonna bring this up. Uh, ben Patrick from Knees Over Toes is so into. Yeah, how uh, that uh, backward sled pull go, Dane? Uh, I don't remember actually. No. I think there's I, video. I was of too focused. I I don't remember. I'm too focused on what I'm about to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he, yeah, he destroyed me. <laughs> so he he focuses on like tibialis isolation. Right. Okay. And everybody's like, oh, what a great idea. This is amazing. It's like, why aren't we thinking this with, with buys and tries? Right. Like, and then I'm sitting here right now. I'm going, that's why he's, that's why Ben, that's why his stuff, like he, he comes across as such a genius. Cause he's like, dude, it makes sense. Why aren't we doing this? Like, so maybe I should just steal that from him and apply it to the buys and, to tries. Buys and tries. Like, dude, why aren't we training this? Jason, note that Put yeah. it in the content calendar. he pulls out this giant analog analog mixer that dan carey has (laughs) let me put let me program yeah that would be wonderful all right so triceps we're pushing biceps we're pulling we know i got a sense from you like they are important to sports like you need them to perform in sports in some capacity yeah. All right. Let's get to why everyone actually trains, buys, and tries. Let's talk about the aesthetics. Just getting big. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I think confidence-wise, I think it goes back to you're proud of what you're what you've done and, and the feeling. It's like the first muscle that I think kids, you know, kids like learn how to pose with, and when you start to pose, and, and you start to see yourself in the mirror, and you see. It is zero. There is zero difference from tool. Okay, there's a lot of money involved with tool, but <laughs> but outside of that, the reason why they played so well, the reason why they play so well, is they love it and they put in the work and they love the work and they love, they just love that work over and over again. And then they get applause, they get external feedback. You know, probably now their external feedback is more so financial. Yeah, but there's. I'm sure they still have a massive internal uh, reward from playing music. Training your biceps is no different. It's the first time that you get this external reward from doing work. So when you're hammering your biceps and you're lifting, and then you go stand in the mirror and you flex, you're like, dude, it's getting bigger. My like my biceps getting bigger. I can't believe it. It's working. Now it's this carrot is just dangling in front of you, and you start to realize, the more I do this, the bigger my arm gets. And the more I realize that this work isn't wasted work and you start to figure out like this, this is that feeling is what attracts people to stre- the strength world so yeah. much is that you start to understand grinding is so awesome because you see that result and it ends up being like grinding is what everybody likes about training. Yeah. It's Not like grinding in the club, but like grinding in the <laughs> weight room. It's so much fun. Yeah. And, and, it's funny you say that, like, the rewards. I, I once had someone who I didn't know train who in a book club I was in. And we're talking, like, we're reading, like, high fantasy type of stuff. So, like, the farthest thing you think from, like, who's involved type mm-hmm. of thing with a stereotype type of view. Yeah. And they started talking about lifting. I'm like, what? I'm going to listen to this conversation. Like, right. And they talked about how they framed it as, like, video game high scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like. The weight on the bar was just a new high score and yeah. things like that. And I was just like, 
Whoa, and then they started talking about like new skins and like costumes. Oh, it's just my muscles like yeah. finessing this yeah, it's way. The same thing. Uh, I like Zelda. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I was just like, that's so cool. I love that metaphor. I, I think that's exactly it. I, I think that that's the the aesthetics goes back to like you you're proud of what you've done. So then you start to wear tighter shirts, and then and people people notice these things and and that's that's it it's like human nature like that guy did does something he does work like he innately does work so now it's dude there there i'm sure there's research on this where um it's the same reason why we're attracted if 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 we are heterosexual i am attracted to women with like breasts and and glutes and hamstrings right like and if i see that's a really uh out there take dane well if i'm heterosexual <laughs> you're like yeah that's so groundbreaking you're a dude that likes breasts and butts no. <laughs> but my my point is is that if i see a woman and she my wife does you know single leg squats she has a nice butt sorry everybody i'm saying this in public <laughs> i see she's doing work she's staying fit so i'm more attracted to her that's like an innate thing that happens and it's probably the same shit when a dude is is you know training they're proud of themselves in the public sphere there's people who you know male female who see this guy or girl and they're they're getting jacked and they're going dude he's got big biceps he does his work dude i one time <laughs> in college i had a a chick come up to me a woman and she's like dude your forearms are unbelievable and i'm like Yes, this is the moment I've been waiting for. This was for. like 300 pound day too, <laughs> yeah. right? Like this is the moment I've been waiting for my whole life right here. Everything I've done up to this point paid off. 19 year old day, 300 pounds. <laughs> Thanks, baby. That's a joke in the beer. <laughs> All right, let's go to the audience questions. This is one off of YouTube. Uh, Harris Ashraf. What are the prerequisites that a person needs to have to become a strength and conditioning coach for a person coming from a non-exercise physiology background, especially something like engineering. Also, what are the standard certifications one can prepare to go get in uh, strength and conditioning? Uh, I mean, I think if you want to do like the standard stuff, you go get a CSCS. That would be like the standard certification. I, I think it's okay. It's like good baseline. Um, I think if you if you don't have like the the you know exercise science or whatever background that they pretend that you need to have, I think I think you just get the CSCS. I think uh, honestly, I believe a lot in. I'm like a big guy, a big fan of like Masterclass, the app, and, and like getting courses from like people who are successful in the field. And so, I'm on Masterclass and I I watch you know cooking videos from. Um, I don't even remember the guy's name. Uh, some dude who did a cooking show on Masterclass. I'm like, just to learn, right? And it's like, I didn't go get certified, but I learned something from this person. And now you can chef a little bit. Yeah, and now I improved. And I think that's actually, you know, you get the CSCS to cover, like, the institutional stuff, but I would highly recommend getting courses from people who are successful. Yeah. And that's, like, where, you know, like, for us, we've got a lot of really good courses Weightlifting and sports performance. We've got uh, parabolic periodization. We got sports performance bio. We have technique courses. That's all stuff that I think is very, very, very apl- applicable because it's coming from someone who's in the industry, in the fitness world, and they and they know what is needed there. So I think that 
you know, you, you got to look at it on two sides. It's like the institutional versus practical. Yeah, I'm definitely a practical yeah. person. My only institutional sort of training is through you, yeah, if you will, yeah. like just coming, studying, learning, asking questions. At Garage Strength University. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> like, I don't want to say it. It's like, it's. Oh, I think of more like when Uma Thurman goes to, is it Pi May? And yeah. she like goes and studies with him. Like Bill's like, go learn. Right, right. Like, that's how I feel. Like, it's just like, yo, go find the person who knows. Exactly. And like pick their brain like what you did with uh dr b too yeah, same same exact thing like you didn't get a, a certificate for that but like you got to go study with the guy who was in charge of like russia's like strength and condition yeah for a year it's like dude that's yeah. that's the whole point uh, that's what that that's exactly right and you know just because there's some institution that accredits it if you will or says like you know here's your knighting yeah sword there yeah. you go it's like obey your masters dude kill your idols right I don't know. <laughs> all right josh costler this is a YouTube one, too. What advice do you have for coaches trying to branch out of their niche? Not that I mind only working with uh, stage combatants, martial artists, and stunt performers, but it would be nice to be able to work with other kinds of athletes. Uh, that's a tough one because it, it, some people, get you get, um, you get a stigma. Uh, you get, like, associated with that. So it's tough because it, it's – You've got to figure out how to break it, and that's where social media comes into play. If you want to, if you want to show off, like you want to work in bodybuilding, then I would recommend you get into bodybuilding, and that's like the fastest way. You're still going to have your your classic, you know, people um, that you're training, and that's the success. That's where you have like the 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 word of mouth. But if you want to get into bodybuilding, then you've got to get into bodybuilding. Yeah, like that's who you want to train. If you want to get into sports performance, you've got to start training yourself as in the realm of sports performance, you start posting videos of yourself doing things or whatever. And then people start to come around. Oh, you're, they're interested in what's going on. And so I think it's like figuring out, you know, you want to be powerlifting, same thing. You, you find, you find like the areas that you want to go into and you've got to use social media to your, to your advantage. And if you can't do those movements, then you've got to find somebody that you befriend and that will, that you, you can, uh, convince them to trust you to create a program and then they become successful and then you know you guys have like a little you know you ride his coattails of, of success and be like look i helped develop this person but i would just say through social media first is that how you got here through sam's coattails <laughs> <laughs> that was yep. true. yeah that's ex that's exactly how i got here yeah. <laughs> i don't think that's true at all no i think it's funny because you think that you you think that uh, dude that's all i thought about every day early in the old garage at my parents was like i'm sorry to bring up memories if i if i don't get this kid to the state tournament in wrestling i'm never going to get another wrestler then then you know dakota davis is the first kid i got to go to states in wrestling uh, if i don't get this kid the medal i'm i'm never gonna i'm never gonna get another wrestler and i just would constantly think that it was like boom 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 every single time and it's like you be a you become obsessed with that yeah so it's like sort of an unhealthy slash healthy way to motivate set big goals big dreams yeah, right yeah so we anyway, got for this one, that's buddy. all we got so the rule of thumb here always be open about your uh about your fears yeah um communicate as well as you possibly have a can nice trusted friend there to not make fun of you at all yeah and you always have to make sure that you train buys and tries at least four times a week <laughs> <laughs> peace